Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Long ago, as the story goes, there was an emperor far, far away, and he was getting old, and he had no heir. He decided to pick a successor from the youth of the nation, but desired one that had wisdom and truth. He devised a plan to pick the right one. He would give every youth a seed. They were to plant the seed and return four months later with the plant they had grew. Everyone took their seed and went home. Among the youth were very poverty-stricken young men. He excitedly took his seed home and he showed it to his parents and they helped him plant the seed and showed him how to take care of it. He watched the plant every day for a month waiting for it to germinate. But the plant never poked its head through the soil. All the other youth were bragging about how great their plants were doing, even though he was discouraged. He kept on tending the plant. The four months was up soon, and it was time to show the plants to the emperor. He dreaded to take his barren pot before the emperor, but he felt compelled to go. Upon his arrival, all the youth had such beautiful plants and made fun and ridiculed his empty vessel. He placed his empty pot in the last row and stood by it. His head bowed with shame. The emperor arrived and bragged on all the beautiful plants, and then he saw the empty pot on the back row. He yelled to the guards and commanded them that they bring the empty pot and its owner to the front. The poor youth was shaking in fear, expected the worst. The emperor smiled at him and announced, this poor lad would be the next emperor. There was a great uproar from all the other youth with their beautiful plants. They wanted to know why this lad with an empty pot was chosen over them. The emperor explained that the seeds he had given them had been boiled and that it was impossible for them to germinate. The only one who had been honest was this poor lad with an empty pot. And so, because he overcame fear and doubt, he was honest, he became the next emperor. Now, you might be wondering tonight, what does that story have to do with our study? Well, I believe it really illustrates a wonderful application for our lives. If you're taking note, you're going to want to jot this down. When trouble comes, sometimes we must move on and dig another well. Let me say that again. When trouble comes, sometimes we're going to want to move on. Sometimes we're going to move on and dig another well. You know, Pastor, what, what, what are you talking about? Well, see, in our study tonight, we discover a truth bomb that's set right in the middle of the story of, of Esau and Jacob. If you recall, we've been talking about them, but it's a story about digging wells and taking names. In other words, we see in life sometimes that things don't go our way. You guys know what I'm talking about? Or we might run into trouble, and what we need to learn from God's Word is simply not to quarrel, but sometimes just move on and dig another well. Spiritually speaking, digging a well, what does that mean? Well, it means that we need to trust the Lord with all of our lives. Now, I know it's easier said than done. You look at me like this, like, Ben, I know, I trust God, I trust, listen. Listen, we, 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 here's what we're trusting. We're trusting that a prayer that we prayed transformed our heart and that now we have access to heaven, that we're born again, we're saved. We're trusting in that. But are we trusting him with the entireness of our life? The every area and aspect, our job, that well. Our relationship, that well our other relationships, our friendships, all of the things. Are we trusting God? Are we trusting God with our finances? What about that well? And so again, we see that the, the lesson, the lesson is that we trust the Lord. And I was thinking about this. We must be willing to give up control to the one who is ultimately in control. And really, that's what it's about. You go, who? It's the Lord Jesus. Think about it this way, Okay. Think about it this way. Think about when you get on an airplane. Now, I know there's been some folks that have never flown before, but if you get on an airplane, what you're doing is you're ultimately saying, I am giving up control of my life 
to sit in this little seat and buckle my seatbelt, which you know that seatbelt's not going to save anything if the plane is 30,000 feet. But it will keep you from hitting your head if there is, a, is some, some turbulence. So, so we buckle in, right? And, and what we're doing is we're saying, okay, uh, you have full control. And my expectation, my trust is that you're going to get me from point A to point B in a safe manner. Guys, think about it. Think about it. Are we willing to give up control to the one who is in control? It'll make you sleep better at night. We don't have to go to bed worried about what tomorrow brings. We don't have to worry about what, what, what bills are going to get paid tomorrow. God's got this. We just need to give him control. Now catch this. Later on in our study, we learn that Isaac did exactly what God wanted him to do. And God, as a result, blessed him so much, check this out, that his enemies recognized it and wanted to make peace with him. On one of the coolest verses in our study, it's when Abimelech goes to Isaac and he says, certainly we have seen that the Lord is with you. And that is like one of the coolest things, right? His enemy, the dude that's going to tell him to get out, says, wow, we've seen God. We see something in you. And you go, Ben, what is that? Well, guys, here's, here's the application for us, okay? The one thing we need to know is, and, and here's how I wrote it down. Oh, how important it is for us to guard our testimony. To guard our testimony. And if you're taking note, I want you to jot this down. I think it's important. We need to understand the difference between a reputation and a testimony. A reputation, guys, you can jot this down. A reputation is what, is what others think of you because of you. Okay, that's my rep. I got, I got my rep. That's my reputation. That's what I think of you. But, but a testimony is different. You know, what's a testimony? A testimony, and you can write this down, is what others think of Jesus because of you. That's a testimony. Reputation, that's who people think you are because of who you are. But a testimony is what other people think of Jesus because of who you are. You're like, oh, okay, okay. In a discipleship that I'm doing, one of the questions when it talked about marriage, and we'll probably talk about this Sunday and the following Sunday, but it asks a very pertinent question about our wives, okay? It's, a, it's disciplined, and it says, is your wife closer to God because of you or in spite of you? It's like, oh, right? Because we've got to guard our testimony. We've got to guard our testimony. And a testimony is what other people think about Jesus because of us. Because of us. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to guard our testimony. And as Isaac obeys the Lord, people around him saw the Lord in his life. Bring that home here to Lubbock, Texas. Right? As you and I obey the Lord in our jobs, as we obey the Lord in school, as we obey the Lord, think about it. Here's what, here's what people, people are, people are going to say, man, we have certainly seen the Lord is with you. What, what greater compliment when they look at you and say, wow, I see Jesus in you. I see Je well, something's different about you. How can you go through what you're going through? How can you face the trials you're facing with a smile on your face. Are you happy about it? Well, of course I'm not happy with the trials, but I have the joy and I have the peace of Jesus. And that's what it is. You can see it. Something's different. And, and even your enemies will look at you and go, wow, there's, I don't know. I don't know if I want to mess with them. There's something about them. Because we're obedient to the Lord. And again, guess what? He says, man, people will say, man, listen, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you and we'll be blessed. Can I get an Amen. Now you say, how? How? Well, guys, oftentimes we think, have a blessed day or a blessing. And we think blessing is material or financial. But blessing comes in so many different ways. Peace in life. Peace at home is a huge blessing. To be able to walk in your sanctuary at home and know there's peace. That's blessing of God. To know that you, he's given you the ability at your job to make the payments. And that's your home. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. 
You're like, okay, what else, Ben? What else? What else is it? Man, think about this. In daily life, peace, love. Love. I like what Pastor Pancho Juarez says. He says, at the end of the day, I know my family loves me, and I know that God loves me, and that's all that matters. I can put my head on the pillow and go, man. And isn't that the truth? When you put your head on the pillow tonight, do you know that God loves you? He's carried you all day today. He's protected you. He's protected you. That car that wouldn't get out of the way, God's protecting you because he saw something over here. He loves us. He loves us. And think about it. That's, that's what we're going to be learning, right? You go, well, what else? What about friendships? What about friendships? You see, God called us to do life together in friendship. I don't think God's happy when we quarrel with, with a brother or sister. I don't think he sits there and goes, come on, guys, this is my family. This is my family. You see, God's blessing, guys, encompasses so much more than just material things. we got to be so careful. I just want to be blessed. I just want to be, I want my wallet to be double the size it is. And that's not what he's talking about. He says, man, if you're obedient, God's going to bless your life. Remember Paul In around chapter 8, he writes to the Corinthian Christians, and he says, it's not our knowledge that is important. It's our love for each other as we guard our testimony so as not to cause others to stumble. And so that is really the key. So what, what what are you saying, Pastor? When it comes to trouble, sometimes we must move on and dig other wells. And I'm going to show you what that is. But first, let me remind you very quickly what we learned last week. We had a deja vu moment. Well, it wasn't for Isaac, but it was more for us. Okay, as we followed Isaac, right? He had a famine. He goes back to Gerar. Where is he headed? He's on his way to Egypt until the Lord says, nay, 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 you're not going to Egypt. He says, don't go to Egypt. And if you recall, his dad, Father Abraham, made that mistake twice. Twice. Okay, he actually went down to Egypt. And you go, well, what happened? Well, at the beginning of chapter 26, we see Isaac move. Okay, we know that there's a famine. Moses, in writing this, says, okay, this is why he moved. And he makes the distinction that this was a different famine than the one brought, that brought Abraham to, to Egypt. So we go, okay, so we, we, we've got a famine, right? And then so we're thinking, well, maybe history is repeating himself. Maybe, maybe when there's a famine in, in Israel, everybody goes to Egypt. Maybe that's, that was the norm. That's what was happening. Okay, now if you recall, Egypt in typology has always been a type of the world. Exactly, you guys are amazing. It's been a type of the world. But it led me to believe, to think, guys, okay, so if that was the norm, if there's a famine in Israel, why do we go to Egypt? Because I think for us, whenever we find ourselves in trouble, whenever we find ourselves during hard times, right, when things in life get really hard, what do we do? Do we run back into the world that we came out of? Hey, I need to call some friends. I got some connections on the inside. I got some friends. Well, they're not really on the up and up. They're not really like, but they can help me out of this. And do we go back into the world or do we just, do we let our foundation in Jesus hold? Say, God, you've got this. The hardest part for us, the hardest part for us, guys, is to go, okay, 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 Jesus. I can't see what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't see what's going to happen Sunday. But I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Guys, think about it. You and I, we live by faith. Because we have no idea what's going to happen in the next hour. We have no idea what's going to happen in the next two hours, much less what's going to happen in November. When we trust the Lord, we say, Lord... When we begin to lose trust, it's when anxiety comes in. When we begin to lose trust. And when anxiety comes in, we fail to live. We only then exist. We can't be happy. We're all stressed out. We're all worried. We're all worried. I have trouble. Let me say this. Let me say it a better way. I have the gift of worry. Okay, I have that gift. And the gift of worry is, is telling my Jesus that I don't trust him. Anybody with me? Can I get it? Just, just me? Okay. 
But I want to learn as I walk closer to God. Guys, I want to encourage you to walk closer to Jesus so that your worry turns into worship. And then you just say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. We say this almost commonplace and cliche, but God is good. He is good. And somehow we create in our mind a God in heaven that's looking down and just waiting for you to get out of line so he can spank you because that's how God is. Just do it. Do it. Do, what? Okay, Gabriel, come here. Watch. Look, it, oh. That's not who God is. God is good. And although there's tragedy in our lives and there's trials in our lives and there's hardship in our lives, there's things we don't understand and there's things we cry. Even though that happens, God is good. In him, there is no darkness at all. So he doesn't think like us. So we got to remember that. We got to remember that. Do we run back to the world? Or do we hunker down to Jesus and ride the storm out? So what deja vu moment are you talking about? Well, according to verse 6, it says, And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked, his, asked about his wife, and he, he said, do you guys remember? She's my sister, for she was afraid. He was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah because she was beautiful to behold. I love the fact that at least Isaac says, man, she was a knockout. She was beautiful to behold. And of course, like father, like son, he was afraid and Y'all remember the story. It says in verse 8, And he came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked through the window and saw that there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife, affection. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously, she's your wife. So how could you say she's my sister? And Isaac said, Wait, 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 please, lest I die on account of her. She's so beautiful. You're going to kill me. You're going to kill me. And of course, if we jump to verse 15, it says, Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells, which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, here it is, guys, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Now, verse 15 and 16 are key verses to our text. Here's what I need you to see. Number one, the Philistines filled up all the wells that Abraham dug. Okay, Abraham had dug some wells. The Philistines came by and said, Nope. And then Abimelech says, you're too mighty, please leave. Would you please leave? Now, if you're taking notes, and this is for Bible students, the Philistines who at this point in history were just sort of a limited number and power, well, what they did is they began to fill up the wells for one essential reason. You go, what's that? Guys, they wanted, they, they wanted to um, thwart, if you will, they wanted to stop Isaac's continual prosperity. Okay? That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to say, man, we don't this is what's going on. And that's kind of where we pick up our story. Chapter 26 and verse 17, it says, Then Isaac departed from there, and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. Now, the valley of Gerar, you just need to know, it's some distance from the city. So, so Abimelech says, dude, you got to go out, please. So he goes just a short distance, and he goes into the valley. Now, the historian Josephus says it like this. It was, not, it was not far from the city, but far enough that he probably didn't go out of the country, but he was real close. So he didn't go very far. He went to the valley, and the Bible says that Isaac pitched his tent, means he set up camp, and he lived there. So Abimelech says, you got to go. He goes down into the valley, not very far, but far enough away, right? And so that's kind of the story, the story is being set up. And it says, in Isaac, now when it says Isaac dug, he's really talking about his servants, okay, because Isaac didn't really do that. But he says, and Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And he tells us why. For the Philistines had stopped him up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by names, which his father had called them. Now, again, it seems to refer that he went and redug the same wells that 
that his father had dug when he was in Gerar. But let me just go back a little bit, and let me, let me just tell you the wells, and you can jot these down, okay? And let me just give you the names and what they mean, okay? So important for our text. The first one we saw is Beer Laha Roy, okay? B-E-E-B-E-E-R-L-A-H-A-I-R-O-I, Beer Laha Roy, and it means the well of the living one who sees me. That's what it means, God sees Okay, so Abraham digs a well. He calls it Beer Laharoi. Then he, number two well is called Beer Sheba, B-E-E-R-S-H-E-B-A, Beer Sheba, and it means the well of oath or covenant, the well of oath or covenant, okay? This is found in Genesis 21, 25 to 33, where Abimelech, now if you recall last week, Abimelech isn't a person's name, it's actually a title, Okay, so Abimelech, where the one that dealt with Abraham is not the same one dealing with Isaac. This is where he built Beersheba. If you look back, you remember, that's when he came and said, you need to get out and all of that stuff. Well, they're going to dig another well, and it's going to be Esek, Esek, E-S-E-K, and it means dispute or contention, dispute or contention. And then Isaac's going to dig another well, and it's going to be Sitna, S-I-T-N-A-H, Sitna. And it means opposition or enmity, opposition or enmity, okay? And so Esek and Sitna were Isaac's attempts, if you will, his own attempts at, at well digging. Later on, we're going to see him dwell at, his fa- at the wells of his father and dig once again. And he finds a place. And the last one of the wells is Rehoboth. Rehoboth, R-E-H-O-B-O-T-H, and it means room or spaciousness. So all of these have meanings, okay? This is what he says. They don't just dig a well and say, well, it's the well. He says, this is what's going on. Now, let's see how the story unfolds. Something to think about. The Philistines, Isaac's enemy at this point, the wells, these were what Abraham's servant dug when he lived in Gerar, which the Philistines did not stop during his life, okay? So they didn't fill him up. But when Abraham died, and particularly out of envy to Isaac, his son, whom they observed to prosper much, they stopped them up, listen, so that they may not have no benefit, so, so he might have no benefit of them, okay? So they're taking the wells and they're filling them up, they're putting more dirt out of spite because they don't want to see Isaac prosper anymore. These are the Philistines. These are Isaac's enemies. But the one thing that stood out, guys, is this happens, the same thing happens today. You know, Pastor, what do you mean? Guys, when God blesses us, when God blesses us, when he blesses us at work, when he blesses us at school, when we're on the football team and, and we're whatever it might be, when we're playing soccer, we're in theater, all of these things, when God's hand is on us, when we're playing instruments and, and it, you know it's God's gifting, you guys tracking with me, okay? Right? You know it's like, man, people are coming up to go, dude, that was awesome. That was amazing. You just, wow, you've got a gift, whatever it might be, whether it be accounting or whatever, it might be. We will always see people come out of the woodwork to bring us down. I'm telling you guys, it's the same thing here. Why would the Philistines even care? Oh, because we don't like Isaac. Do you know Isaac? No, but we know he's Abraham's son. We know that he's being prospered. Oh, we don't like it. It's the same thing with us. The principle is clear. When God begins to bless us financially, friendship, anything it might be, You know that people are going to come out of the woodwork to stop up our wells, if you will, in spite or jealousy. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? What should we do? You know, when God begins to bless you, and God begins to use you, and God begins to prosper you, what should you do? The enemy comes up and he wants to, he wants to stop up your man. He wants to shut you down. He wants to tell you how awful you are, what you did wrong. He wants to tell you that your house is not good enough like their house. He wants to tell you all of these things. You know how the enemy works. What should we do? What should we do? Well, pastor, I think we should 
bunch them in the face. Well, I know that's how we feel, but here's what we should do. You ready? As believers, we must rise above it. You're gifted to rise above that criticism. You're gifted to rise above and be the one. And you go, well, well, okay, rise above it and either redig or move on in life. Here's my point. Church, listen, don't get caught up in the drama of quarreling with people who really don't care about you. Don't get caught up in that drama. They don't care about you. They're, they're angry with you. They're jealous of you, whatever it might be. They see that God is certainly with you. Well, how did you get that house? How did you get this? Or blah, you know, whatever it might be. I, I don't have time. Listen, I've I, I just got to move on. I've got to move on. But Ben, they're family. Yeah? Sometimes they are, huh? These these are Isaac's these are Isaac's um enemies, but what if it's family? Can we give you one word? Okay? Ready? Boundaries. Everybody say it with me. Exactly. We've got to set up some boundaries so they don't they don't you know, they don't bring us down. Hey, listen, I'd love for you to come over. We hang out, you know, for like thirty minutes is about as all I can take, man, because then because then I start then I, you got to go. Let me ask you a question. What happens to a person who watches the news 24-7? He is not a very, he's very down. He's very depressed. This news is very depressing all the time. Everything's going wrong with the world. Everything this and, right? What happens when you're with somebody who's, who's down all the time, who's, who's, who's lives in Bummer City? You get the same way. You get the same way. It's crazy. When you're around somebody who complains a lot, sister, what do you do? You start to complain too. And you're not, and you're happy. You're like, why am I complaining? Oh, yeah. What's the word? Boundaries. Boundaries, exactly. Exactly. Love them, amen, and let them be. Life is too short to argue over a well that God provided for. I see, sure. Well, I don't think so. Amen. Love you. Let me make one more point and then we'll move on. Jesus told us in John chapter 7, in 37 to 39, he says, now, on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, you guys remember this in our John study? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living waters. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom he believed in him who were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me just say this, okay? Second point I want to make, you are a well. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you're a well. Okay, dug out by God Almighty. Can you imagine? He says, rivers of living water are going to gush out from you. You're a well. You're a wellspring of life. And yet, there are Christians and believers out there who act like Eeyore, right? Doesn't he? Pour your room in. I get it. I get it. Listen, guys. True confession here, there are times when my life is the most amazing and I am super bummed. I can't, I I don't know why. I got air, I was like, oh my goodness. Why why are you downcast, oh my soul? Everything is so good and I'm just going, I don't know why. I don't want to be that because Jesus just said, I'm a wellspring of life. I'm I'm a well, right? I'm a well, he says. And the Holy Spirit flows from you like a gush, like a gushing mighty river. But who do you think wants to stop you up? Fill you with dirt? The world. The world does. Who else? 
The devil, the devil definitely does. I want to shut you down. I don't want you to talk. I don't want you to be a tell. I don't want you to tell people about Jesus. I don't want you to live a righteous life. I don't want you to love your wife. Stop loving your wife like that. Ugh. No, that's what we should do. Because the devil wants to put dirt in your well. And of course, we have the flesh, right? We got to deal with the flesh. We got to wake up with us all the time. It's like, ugh, ugh. Be careful. Be careful. So back in our text, verse 19. So Isaac's servants dug in the valley, and they found, what? A well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, this water's ours. And so he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. What does Esek mean, guys? Contention. Contention. Okay? And they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called that name Sitna. And he moved from there and he dug another well, but they did not quarrel over it. So he called his name Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. Do you guys see the principle here in these verses? You go, what's that? When trouble comes, sometimes, now I want you to see this. Everybody say, sometimes we must move on and dig another well. I fully expected Isaac's servants to go, bring it on. We dug this well. There's water. Mm-hmm. You know what they did? They said, cool. We'll go somewhere else. They came over here and they dug another well. That's our water. Okay. Hey, calm down. Everybody calm down. Everybody breathe. And we'll go find another well. And, and what were they doing? Listen to me. What were they doing? They were trusting in God. Are you listening, church? They're trusting in God. Why? Because God has all the water. God has all the water. And they were guarding their testimony. Okay, okay, hey. Cool. Sometimes, there's sometimes, guys, that we just need to, we just, we, just need to, we just need to move on and dig another well, fully trusting the Lord for provision because what he wants to do is he wants to give you room to grow. He wants to give you room to grow. Think about it in relationships. Think about it in relationships. Okay? Relationships. I got to be careful how I say this because there, there might be somebody in here who fell in love early on and married the one that they fell in love with and that was it. But I'm glad for me that the Lord didn't allow me to marry the first girl I ever dated. You, you, you guys see, I mean, it was a well, it wasn't, there was, there was contention, there wasn't, oh, okay, okay. So it's okay to go, okay, it's now time to move on. Until God said, here's the one for you, here's the room, and now you can grow. See, we do that in relationships. And there are some relationships that we have to go, oh, okay, hell. Mm. Mm. Boundaries. I love you. I love you. But listen, I, 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 I want to dig. I want my well to be in Rehoboth where I have room. Where I have room. Where I have room to grow. Where I have room to grow. And then he'll give you the room to grow. And so what happens next, guys, is we see the Lord appear to Isaac again. And he says, notice verse 24. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and he called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Don't you just love that? Why? Right in the middle of story, right in the, right in the story of digging wells, God shows up and he shows up. What's he doing? You guys ready? You can write this in your Bible. He's confirming the Abrahamic covenant again. He's saying, listen, I'm not giving up on this covenant. This is the covenant. I am going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your descendants. Why? I told Abraham I was going to do it. Here's the thing. When, when Adam and I enter into a relationship and we have a handshake, we have a covenant or something, there's always a chance one of us is going to break that covenant, not going to fulfill our end of the duty. That's why we have a contract. But with God, he's not going to ever not fulfill his contract. And so 
Fast forward to the new covenant where it says, put your faith and trust in Jesus. Believe in him with your heart. Confess him with your mouth and you'll be saved. What a great covenant that is. What are you going to go through in life? I don't know. It's a journey. It's going to go up, down, inside out, all around, crazy, roller coaster. That's how life is. But we have Jesus. We have Jesus. And Jesus told us one particular, this is, this is what you got to do. You ready? He says, just abide in me. Make your home in me. Make your home in me. Go get to know me. Because there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can, that you have done to make God love you less. Why does he love you? Because he's love. He loves you. When we sing that song, when we do sing that song, Oh, How He Loves Us, do you, you really grasp that? Oh, how he loves us. It's so powerful. So what do they do? I love what they do. He says, so Isaac built an altar, and he worshiped the Lord. Guys, look at, look at that verse. Verse 25, so, so he built an altar. Circle that word altar. You can write next to it, fellowship. Fellowship. He's, he's going to have fellowship. Now, there's four things that we can pull from these verses. You go, what's that? Jot this down. Worship and fellowship go hand in hand. When we're obedient to the Lord, Jesus, we're, we're obedient to the Lord. He dwells and he fellowships with us. What does that mean? Well, he walks with us and he talks with us. You know what I'm talking about? Here's the question I need to ask you. In all sincerity, do you have a relationship with Jesus? You see, because on this side of the fence, we go, well, I believe in him. I know he's a God. I look up and I say, well, God, God, what great clouds you make. Amen. But do you have a relationship who, who is Jesus to you? Is he a, a, an acquaintance? Would he be somebody that is on your Facebook that you really don't know? Right? We all have these friends that are on our Facebook that are really not friends. They're just people that may, might, might have mutual friends in common. We got that, right? But is that Jesus? Or, listen to me, or do you have a relationship? Do you talk to him all the time? Do you walk with him? Do you hold his hand? When you go for a walk, do you take Jesus with you? Do you, I mean, think about what relation, I mean, uh, uh, do you have affection for Jesus? Is he all, is he your all in all? That's what we need, church. We need to have that relationship. That relationship. Number two. He built an altar at Beersheba, where his father Abraham planted a grove before. You go, what does that mean? Guys, sometimes we need to go back to the place where we once walked with God, that special place. If you find yourself here today going, man, I feel like I'm drifting. I feel like I'm, I'm just like, go back to the Beersheba. Go back to that place where you worship the Lord. Now, for some of us, it might be a, it might be a, 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 a place in your home where you just, you just heard Jesus. And it's my chair, and it's my, it's my, my Gilgal. That's where Jesus is. Go to that place. Sometimes we need to go back because, because Isaac went back and he dug that well, didn't he? He went back to Beersheba where, where dad was. And that special place of worship. And then we see, number three, that he called upon the name of the Lord. Why would he call upon the name of the Lord? Well, think about all that, that Isaac's gone through. He gave him thanks for all his mercies, for care he had taken, for provision that he had made, all during the time of the famine. Remember, there's still a famine. And yet God was still what? God was still blessing. Lord, thank you. When was the last time you and I sat and said, thank you? And we so, had an attitude of gratitude for having warm water at home. For having food in the fridge. 
Thank you, Lord, that I've got a place to sit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for oxygen. Without it, I might die. No might, right? Church, listen, if, if you get nothing out of the Bible study tonight, would, you, would, would we just have an attitude of gratitude for, for who God is? Thank you, Lord. Listen, we're all tired. We're all stressed. We all have jobs. We, we all just have... None of that's going to matter. But our attitude of gratitude is saying, thank you, Lord. You have a car? Thank you, God. You can put gas in the car? Thank you, God. You have shoes? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Think about it. What would the world look like if if this group of people here tonight said, man, I'm just going to be so thankful. I'm going to be so thankful for everything. And when, we, and when we're blessed, praise the Lord, and we really mean it. We don't just say it. Praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. Wow. How cool would it be, guys, if we have an attitude of gratitude that then we start giving our stuff away? We start giving it away. We start blessing others. They start with a cup of coffee. I say, hey, let me, let me pay for that. Why? You have a great day, man. Have a great day. Or maybe you have a little stash on the side and you go united and you see that single mom and you say, let me bless you. I'll pay for that. No, 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 no. Listen, you don't understand. God has given me so much. Let me bless you. What would the world look like, guys, if we started behaving like Christians? What would the world look like? Because we don't, we get caught, and I'm with you, okay, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching at me, you all are listening, but we don't, we get caught up, and we lose the blessing. God still loves us, but we lose that blessing, an attitude of gratitude. Number four, he thanked him for his deliverance out of the hands of the envious and malicious and unreasonable men. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you. Verse 26. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath. There you go, Tiffany. There's a good name. Ahuzath. We're, we're, oh, I guess we're not looking for names anymore. Okay. Because it's one of his friends. And how about Fichel? No. The commander of the army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me? And you've sent me away. Why did you come down here? But they said, Check this out, verse 28, underline it, highlight it. But we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. We see something about you, something's going on. And so we said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you. And since we have not done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace, you are now blessed of the Lord. So he made a feast and they ate and drank. Guys, what a great verse, right? Abimelech and company, we see, you know, we see the hand of God on Isaac. So they come and they want to make a peace treaty with him. But you know what I'm impressed by? I'm impressed by Isaac's love for someone who asked him to leave. You guys see that? As a matter of fact, Isaac actually says, you hated me. You told me to leave. I'm impressed by, by Isaac's love. And here's what I wrote down in my notes. The love of God can restore all things, especially relationships. Wouldn't it be easy for Isaac to hold a grudge? Excuse me? You asked me to leave. You want to come and make a peace treaty? I don't think so, bro. 
As a matter of fact, I'm coming up to Gerard. Take your land. Said, you can, guys, it's easy to hold grudges. Why do we hold grudges? He just goes, okay. When you see how blessed you are of the Lord, you don't have any room for a grudge. You don't have any room for a grudge. I'm blessed. That's the attitude when somebody takes your stuff and you go, well, maybe they needed it more than I did. Right? Who would steal from a church? And yet, Joe potted a plant. We bought plants. We have all nice uniformed. And somebody must have drove up, pulled one of the pots. Boom. Joe, did you take this? No, I didn't. I thought you did. I don't know. Joe, are you sure you you told me you were going to take it? No, I didn't take it. I think they stole it. You know what Joe said? I guess they needed it more than we did. Who steals from a church? But when we realize how blessed we are, eh, I guess they needed it more than we did. Now, y'all are nodding your heads, right? Amen? Can I get an amen? amen? Except when it's your stuff. Except when it's your stuff. Whoa, hey, time out. Time out, mm-mm. You get a job, buddy. You don't steal my stuff. Now Isaac says, yeah, I'm blessed. You hated me, no big deal. You know why? Because then Isaac made a feast. He made a feast. He said, and, and, and he treated them in a generous way according to their dignity and agreeable to his own disposition and substance. I don't care. I got to be careful how I say this. When it comes to humans... We want to treat him with dignity, no matter what, because they're made in the image of God. And they may not be all that we want them to be, or they might have some physical handicap, or they might have whatever it might be, but we should still treat them with dignity. Isaac says, let's make a feast. Let's make a feast. He's generous. So they eat. They have a great time. They arose early in the morning, verse 31. They swore an oath to one another, and Isaac sent them away. And they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass on the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well, which they had dug, and said, We found water! So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. I find it interesting that as Isaac is realizing how blessed he is, at that very moment, the servants are finding water. And as soon as he blesses them, as soon as he makes an oath, as soon as he walks off in peace, here come the servants and they say, "Um, guess what? We found water. And he's like, amen. 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 I love that. Why? Guys, jot this down. Water symbolically can mean so many things. It could mean the Word. It could mean the Holy Spirit. When we realize how blessed we are, whether you have $6 billion in the bank or you're minus $6 million in the bank, you are blessed. Because tonight, when you lay your pillow, when you head down on that pillow, you have Jesus. And nobody can take that away from you. Guys, without water, spiritual or physical, how long will we have to live? We need water. 
you need the water of the word. You need the water of the Holy Spirit. You can't live. So let's, let's close our Bible study right here, guys. The worship team's going to come up. We actually close with a transition in the text. You guys notice that? Moses sort of now focuses on Esau, and he just shows us that he has no spiritual life in him. Look at verse 20, look at verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judah, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. So all of a sudden, he just sort of changes direction, and he tells us about Esau. But what he tells us is that Esau married two foreign, two foreign and heathen wives, Okay. The Lord had already said, don't marry. Don't intermarry with foreign. Don't, don't do it, right? And Esau, he didn't listen. He didn't listen. Why didn't, why didn't Esau listen? Because it shows that he had no spiritual anything. Last week, what did he do? He gave up his birthright or two weeks ago for a bowl of soup. I didn't care about the birth. What is the birthright to me if I'm going to die? And now he's like, you know what it says? It says, Jacob and Rebekah said, Oy vey. That son of yours, he went and married not only one heathen woman, but two. And Rebekah said, I am not going to be a, a mother-in-law to those heathenite women. They're not coming in this house. I don't know if it says that or not, but we know that it was, it was a grief to them. Guys, as we transition to the text, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Tonight we come and we celebrate the Lord Jesus in communion. Because the Word once told us, guys, that we were enemies with God. We once were enemies with God, but through Jesus... Through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have peace with God now. And because we have peace with God, we can celebrate. We have about 15 minutes, guys. So as the worship team leads, when you're ready, you come up, you pray, you get right with God. Celebrate. What am I celebrating? His death on the cross his burial, and his resurrection. That's the gospel. That's what saves us. That's what sustains us. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, that we can celebrate communion, and we worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.